All right, so if you open your Bibles, let's open up to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. All right. Starting in verse 19. Who was that? (laughs) All right. Verse 19 reads like this. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship that what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and and is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for these words. We thank you for um, just your word, Lord, that you speak to us daily, constantly. And right now, we just want you to speak to us. God, use me, use your word to just communicate what you want to say this morning. We know that you're going to do a good work in each one of us, and we just love you for that. And pray all this in your holy and precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, so they did, they, uh, Anthony mentioned the grow groups every Wednesday. Um, and now it's, it's hard to come on a Wednesday night. We have work, we um, do a lot of things, our kids, and stuff like that. Um, but I, I feel like it's a great time to. What it's called, know and grow, right? Grow in the Word, grow together as a church. Um, The first Wednesday, we actually went over, or Anthony went over, what is a Christian? The second Wednesday after that, we went over, what is the gospel? And that was Mr. Arlen over there in the sound booth, the man, the, the myth, the legend over there. And the third week, we went over, what is the Bible? And that was also Anthony. And Last Wednesday, I had the pleasure of talking about what is worship. Now, if you are here today, this morning, Sunday morning, and you were here on Wednesday, I apologize because I'm going to teach the same (laughs) message again. But I think it's very, very important. Um, And, you know, if you're here and you were here Wednesday, hey, that's cool. But if you're here this morning, I just pray that you're blessed by it and that God just shows you what a true heart of worship really looks like. So let me ask you a question. Um, if you, uh, someone just blurred out an answer. When, when I say the word worship, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing. Singing. Singing. Music. music. The music that's playing right now, right? Can you hear it? Oh, okay. God, yes. I think you said the same thing on Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah. But most of us, most of us, if we really thought about the word, our first thing, yeah, music, singing, praise, right? That would come to our mind. If I had to bet $100 on it and and someone walked up to Caleb and said, hey, I bet you 100 bucks Caleb will say singing, (laughs) I'd probably win. I'd I'd win that bet. Um, and yes, worship, there's singing involved. We, we, we just did it, right? The first thing we did this morning was sing songs to God. Um, let me ask you this question real quick. Does anybody know what the first three songs had in common? What are the first three songs? Yes! They were all Phil, they were all Phil Wickham songs. I, I just wanted to point that out because I love Phil Wickham. He's a my favorite worship leader. Anyway, they were all Phil Wickham songs. But um, real quick, I want to read you something that I wrote um, a few months ago about worship, um, kind of my thoughts on worship and praise, and, and then we're going to get into uh, what the Word says. 
So in the church today, we use the word worship synonymously with singing praise to God. Sometimes I believe in doing so, we have created a false sense of worship. Hear me out. I know as a worship leader, I've always looked out into the congregation as, as straight-faced uh, people with no emotion during worship and thought to myself, why is nobody worshiping? I remember when I first led worship. It was at a college group me and my friends started at our church. Um, the group met in, a, in the backyard of one of our church members. I sang three songs that night. I don't remember which songs they were, but I, I could honestly that it was, I can tell you that it was a good night. We, we sang the songs, we wanted to bring glory to God. But what, one cool thing about that night is that I remember when I was singing the songs, I can hear everybody else singing with me. I can hear their voices singing out loud with me. It was great. It was a great night. But as the years of leading worship went on, I started to notice that not everyone was excited about worship as I thought they should be. I felt awkward at times looking out and seeing so many people looking back at me while I'm passionately singing to God with a blank stare. Sometimes it would seem like someone was giving me the death stare. Maybe they were. Who knows? Um, but one thing that I felt was I felt like I was doing something wrong. I felt like I was doing something wrong. Like I had to do more to get people excited about singing praise to God. I had to get people excited. Come on, guys, get excited about singing to God. Because if they weren't singing these songs to God with all their hearts, they weren't really worshiping. So again, I, I think it's safe to say that when most Christians hear the word worship, the first thing that comes to mind is singing. We think of the worship team. We think of the worship leader. We think of our favorite worship songs, right? And we automatically even go to the scriptures and say, hey, look at worship's about singing. Psalm 149.1 says, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise in the assembly of saints. We even go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation 5.8 says this, And now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. They sang a new song. Now these are great verses, and I'm not saying that worship is not about singing. I'm not saying that. But when we think about worship again, we think about this verse as well. Psalm 22.3 says this, God inhabits the praises of our people. Who has heard that verse before? Oh, first time? Very good. This will even be better now because if you look at this verse, did you know that it's only translated this way in the King James Version? The King James Version is the only translation that says God inhabits the praises of his people, okay? If you look at any other translation that has been written about this verse, it says this, Yet you are holy. You who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. That's a little different than being inhabited of the praises, right? So, we know that God inhabits the praises of our people, but most of the verses say, and yet you, who are holy, you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And you know what? I kind of like that better. And that translation is actually a better translation of the verse. Because you know why? It puts the emphasis on God being enthroned and not the worship, right? When we say God inhabits the praises of our people, we're like, yeah, come on, our praises. Woo! It's all about our praises, right? No, it's about God. God is enthroned upon the praises of Israel. 
and of the church, by the way. <laughs> so it puts the emphasis on God, and rightly so, because when we worship God, right, we want to lift him up and bring him glory. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And I say this because sometimes it's the other way around. We get so caught up in the music, right? You get so caught up in the praise. And I really believe that sometimes it does, like I said in the beginning, create a false sense of worship. One of my pastors in the past, uh, you probably know him, Pastor Chuck Smith. Who knows Pastor Chuck Smith? Raise your hand. Well, he's, he's home with the Lord now, and his wife just recently um, passed on last week. Um, but he said something that, I, that has always stuck with me. Um, he says this, It doesn't matter how high we jump on Sunday or how loud we sing, for that matter. What matters is how straight we walk on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all the way around back to Sunday, right? Our Christian life is not only about worship on Sunday morning, amen? It's about how straight we walk seven days a week. It's, how, it's about how we worship God seven days a week. Now moving forward, I want to just real quick go through what the Bible does say about worship. What does the Bible say other than praise about worship? Not just singing songs, but what else does the Bible say about worship? And I want to start in the Old Testament. Now, who knows, this, if you know, who knows the very first mention of worship in the Bible? Oh, Arlen? Hey, wait, you were here on Wednesday. You were here on Wednesday. You can't answer. He's going to give the answer. Okay. Does anybody else know the first mention of worship in the Bible? If you Google it right now, if you, if you take your phone out and say, what's the first mention of worship, right? It'll give you the answer. Well, it'll give you a answer. It'll say um, Genesis 22. And the story of Genesis 22 is a story of when God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, right? And when they're going, it is, he's like, it's just going to be me and the boy. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord. That's what he says. But did you know that that word worship in the Hebrew, and I, I, want, I want to practice this together. We did this on Wednesday too. I think we did a pretty good job, right? No? Okay. Because the Hebrew word, it's a little diff difficult because you have to have this little phlegmy sound when you say it, okay? So the word in Hebrew for worship is shacha. Shacha. <laughs> right? Now, I want you to say that to me. Say, say that together with me. Ready? One, two, three. Shacha. I think you guys got it. <laughs> it's a little difficult, but you guys got it. Shacha. That word is actually used before Genesis 22. I, I just told you, oh, it's first in Genesis 22, right? Actually, that word is used in Genesis 18. In Genesis 18 is the story of Abraham again, but this time the Lord visits Abraham, and this is the visit when he's going to tell Abraham and Sarah, that they're, go they're going to have a child even in their old, their old age, right? Remember what Sarah does when the Lord tells them this? She laughs, and that's what the name of their child is, right? Isaac, which means laughter. Now, what, where's the word used, though? So when the Lord comes to visit Abraham and Sarah, Abraham immediately, when seeing the Lord, immediately falls down flat onto the ground, face down onto the ground. And that's actually the actual meaning of shacha. It's not just worship, but it's to fall 
face down before somebody. Now, in context, this, this word is actually used for other uh, uh, things besides worship. But if we use the context of this story, we know that it's the Lord that's visiting him, right? So when he bows down to him, knowing that's the Lord, that's worship. The word shakha, remember this, write it down if you need to. The word shakha doesn't mean just worship. It means to bow down, face down to the ground. If we even look back uh, at the history of the Jews, this is how they worshiped. They would stand outside the temple, facing the temple in the court of worship there, and they would some, not everybody, but they would just, all right, I'm here to worship, and they would just lay down flat, like their whole body, like Superman, right? <laughs> flat to the ground. They shachad, they bowed down, they worshiped the Lord. One thing else I want to point out that in this verse is that worship involved sacrifice. If we go back to 22, it wasn't just about bowing down, right? Abraham says that we're going to worship the Lord and we're going to sacrifice to him. Worship always involves some sort of sacrifice. And if you think about it, Throughout the whole history of the world, through the beginning to now, every culture, every people in history worshipped something. They even sacrificed something, right? Some cultures sacrificed their children. Crazy. There was actually, <laughs> yeah, there was actually a, someone wanted to... Uh, say that this claim wasn't true, that not everybody worshiped something. And they, they were able to find one people in the world that didn't worship something, right? One people. But I, I kind of beg to differ on this. I, I think if, if you only found one people through the out of hall of history that didn't worship some kind of deity or God, guess who was the God? They were. Just because they didn't worship some God doesn't mean they didn't think themselves as to be some kind of God, right? But yes, sacrifice was a big thing of worship in the ancient times. So even in our worship, it involves some sort of sacrifice. It's not cheap, right? We don't want, we don't want to give um, the Lord something cheap to him. That's not, that's not what we want in our worship. If we look in the story of David, there's a story of David in 2 Samuel. We'll get there eventually because we're in Samuel, but for some reason, David says, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to count Israel. He's going to take a census, okay? And God did not want this. God told David specifically that, hey, don't trust in the number of your army. Don't trust in the people that you have for your safety, for your comfort, for anything. Only put your trust in me. But yet he does it anyway. When, he, when the numbers come back, God ends up saying, David, it's time. I told you not to do this, but now you have to be judged. There's a, there's a judgment coming, and guess what? You get to pick out what the judgment's going to be. He gives him three um, judgments. He says, David, you, you know what? I'll, get, I'll let you pick out which judgment you want. So David picks one. But instead of David just cowering and saying, we're going to get judged. <laughs> guess what he does? He goes to worship the Lord. And let me, let me ask you this question. How many times in our lives, have so, has something ever come and it felt like, man, a weight on our shoulders, something maybe just bringing us down, and instead of worship, what do we do? God, why? Man, come on, buddy! <laughs> right? God, why? Why? 
Have you ever thought that maybe it's because of you, <laughs> not God? It's possible. But here, God says, I'm going to judge you. And in that judgment, David is moved to worship. And I like what he says when it comes to sacrifice. He says, then the king said to um, Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for this price. Because the priest wanted to give David the sacrifice for free. You know, David, just take the sacrifice, whatever. It's yours. But David says this, I will surely buy it for you from, for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. When you come to God, there's an element of sacrifice in there. You don't come to God with just face value, right? You come to God with all that you are, all that you have. It should not cost nothing. And so David brought the thresh, uh, bought the threshing floor and oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, look at this, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. The plague was withdrawn from Israel. When we, when we come to God and worship in any, in any sense of the form or matter, shape, whatever, it can't be cheap. It can't be face value. It needs to be um, more than surface level. It needs to cost something. It needs to be uh, cling, uh, clinged onto and it needs to be linked with something that you sacrifice. Does that make sense? So that's the word in the Hebrew. Shacha. Shacha. Now let's look at the New Testament. We just read that verse earlier, uh, John chapter 4. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, the word worship here in the Greek, so we have the Hebrew, shacha, right? But now, in the New Testament, it's written in Greek, the word in the Greek is proskaneo. Proskaneo. And this word doesn't just literally mean worship like we know. It means to turn from wherever you're going, turn and kiss. Interesting, right? It means to turn and kiss. Now, I know that's kind of strange. You know, you want me to kiss Jesus? That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I do, honestly. The Bible talks about greeting each other with a holy kiss, right? So are you guys going to do that later? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. But it really, it literally means to turn and kiss. And I just thought about this right now. That's kind of like how repentance is, right? What is repentance? Turning away from your sin and turning towards Jesus, right? So the Greek word means to turn and kiss, proskaneo, not just worship. It means to turn and kiss. Now, I know that was a little short for the Greek word, self-explanatory kind of, but let's go to now the English word for worship, okay? So we had, again, the Hebrew, shacha, the Greek, proskaneo, and now we all speak English here, right? Does anybody not speak English here? I knew it. I knew you didn't speak English. The word worship in English, it comes from the older English word that meant worthiness. We, we, we always say that when we worship, it's because he is worthy, right? Worthship, to acknowledge that something has worth. Now, as a Christian, let me ask you this question this morning. Who or what in your life do you assign worth to? As a Christian, who in your life or what in your life do you assign worth to? And let me ask you even more, what is worth most to you? What is worth most to you? 
Because guess what? Like we talked about earlier, we can worship other things, right, besides God. Besides God, we can worship ourselves, like we talked about earlier. We can worship stuff, the things that we own, the things that we have. What are those things called? Idols. We can be, even as Christians, idol worshipers. And if you even go back to the word proskuneo in the Greek, sometimes that word is even used in the Greek, in the New Testament, to talk about the worship of idols. That you turn and kiss, and instead of kissing God, you're kissing an idol. So what in your life, when we talk about worship, it's, it's about assigning worth to something. Now let me ask you again, what do you, in your life, what is worth the most to you? What is worth the most to you? So those are the three words. Okay? Shacha, proskaneo, and then of course English, we all know, worship. Now, I really believe, and I think the Bible was, is clear on this, that worship at its core is just communion with God. It's, hey, sitting before the Lord, right? But when we do communion with God, right? When we commune with God, it's not just sitting there, I'm going to sit down with God and, what's up, God? That's it. No. We don't just sit there passively, right? If you look at these three words that we talked about, shaka, proskuneo, and this worship in general, they're all what? They're all verbs. They're all actions. Every one of these things that we see in the Bible, it's all about a response. It's about how we respond to what? to who God is and to what he has done in our lives. Worship is a response. Now moving on, I want to just go over four ways I believe the Bible calls us to respond to God. How does the Bible tell us uh, to respond to God in worship. Now, the first thing, the Bible wants us, God wants us to respond to him in worship in fear. Yes. Yes. God wants us to fear him. Now, does that mean that God wants us to be afraid of him? No. That's far from the meaning of fearing the Lord. We know that what? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But what is that fear? It's not to be afraid of him, but it's to revere him. When we respond to God in worship, we are to revere him, revere his name. Not to be afraid, but to have a ultimate respect for who he, who he is and what he's done. We need to fear the Lord. We need to stand in awe of him. And if we think about that first word in the Hebrew, right? Shecha. When they were bowing down, that's what they were doing, right? They were like, oh, it's the Lord. <laughs> Face down. That's respect. That's respect. To know that God is coming your way, to know that God is there, and to just fall face down before Him, that's fear. That's reverence. That's what God is calling us to to respect His name, to respect who He is, to respect what He has done. We must fear the Lord. Second thing, the way we should respond to God in worship is an adoration. Adoration. Now, what is adoration? Now, I don't see my wife here this morning. She might be here. 
Is she back there? She was back there. Just, okay. Well, I think as husbands, we should come up to our wives every so now and then and say, hey, honey, I adore you. Right? And if you're not doing that, start doing it. Trust me. You'll, you'll thank me later. Okay. No? Come on, guys. Just do it. I adore you. Right? We need to come to God in adoration. Remember the word proskaneo? Turn and kiss? That's, in the, that's adoration. That's saying, God, hey, I love you. What does the word say? That we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We're responding to what he has done. Right? We love God because he first loved us. We proskaneo him. We turn and kiss. God, you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. and You did it for me. Proskaneo. I love you. I'm responding to what God has done. We need to adore God. We need to have adoration for Jesus. So the first one was in reverence, right? We worship God. We respond to him in reverence. The second, we worship God in response. We, we adore him in adoration. We turn and kiss Number three, how should we respond to God in worship? In obedience. We respond to God in worship with obedience. Now, remember, when we talked about how it's linked to sacrifice, right? Yes, it should, there should be some kind of link to sacrifice, But if we look in the Bible and we talk about sacrifice, sacrifice can sometimes even not be enough, right? Because guess what? They were sacrificing throughout history, but what did it take? It took Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, right? It took Jesus, the perfect sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven. Samuel, the prophet, said this to David. Oh, not David, I'm sorry, to Saul. In the story, Saul was supposed to kill, and yeah, we're talking about killing right now, but Samuel was supposed to kill all the Amalekites. He was not supposed to leave one alive. He wasn't even supposed to leave, let their cattle or horse or whatever. He was supposed to just demolish them. They were a form of sin in the land. They were supposed to be judged for their sin. But King Saul, instead of doing that, He's like, yeah, I'm going to let their king live, and I'm going to let him go, and, you know. He did not obey the Lord. There was some, some form of sacrifice because he went through with some of it, but he did not obey God. And Samuel says this to Saul, King Saul. He says, obedience is better than sacrifice. We need to respond to God in worship with obedience. With obedience. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, simple things, right? Or whatever you do, do all, not just some things. Look at Saul. Hey, uh, okay, you can live, but you, you guys go. What happened there? It wasn't obedience, right? Do all for the glory of God. Not just a little bit, not just partly, not just, you know, I'm going to go halfway, but do all for the glory of God. We need to respond to God in worship with obedience. Now, Partial, there's no, there's no such thing as partial obedience. You know that? There's no such thing as partial obedience. If we're talking about, you know, I did some of what God said. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I kept this and I did that. But, you know, oh, this I didn't, you know, whatever. Partial obedience 
is disobedience. Special obedience is disobedience. We need to come to God and worship him in full obedience. So when we come to God, first one, in reverence, fear God. Number two was adoration. We need to love him with all we are, right? What does the, the word say? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We need to come to God in full obedience. Do all for the glory of God. And now, number four, the last thing I want to talk about and how we should respond to God. And you're probably going to think, Charles, you just in the beginning talked about, you know, that worship is not just about singing. Yeah, I really, I really believe that. And I, I really, when I said it, I meant it. But, number four, we should respond to God in worship with praise. But, but Charles, you just said praise is not worship. I didn't say that. We need to praise the Lord. Not we should praise the Lord. Not, yeah, I guess your church does that. Oh, yeah, that's cool. No, we need to praise the Lord. It's a must. God calls us to it. Multiple times throughout the scriptures, God calls us to praise. It's a response that almost everybody in the Bible comes to. They all praised. I can't, I honestly, I can't think of one, you know, hero of the faith that did not praise his name, that did not praise God. If you think about praise, look at King David, right? He was known as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And I like that because it's not, yeah, that's in there, but God allowed that to be in there for a reason. Did it need to be in the Bible that David was a sweet psalmist of Israel? No, but God said, hey, he's a sweet psalmist of Israel. And he delighted in that. God delighted in it. David wrote 73 psalms, all pointing to the glory of God. God wants you to respond in praise. Hebrews 13 says this, continually, not sometimes or a little bit, but he says, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We need to continually do this, continually to praise God. God loves, I really believe this, God loves to hear our praises. And, and I even thought about this. You know, scripture aside, I thought about this, and I think everybody, who, who likes music here? What? You guys don't like music? <laughs> I think we all, we all have a favorite song. Does everybody have a favorite song, at least? Okay, yes? Okay. We all, ha we all like music. I won't say love. Okay, we all like music, okay? We all like music. When, when, when our favorite song comes on the radio or... Does anybody listen to the radio still? No? You know, we have all that other stuff, screaming stuff. But when our favorite song comes on the radio, we, what do we do? We turn it up, right? Sometimes, annoyingly, you're parked in the parking lot and you're, you have the music up and you're like, why is that guy's music? I'm just kidding. Um, but we turn it up because we love to hear the song that we like. And if we personally, as human beings, fleshly human beings, like to hear the songs that we love, that we, you know, maybe have an emotional response to because of some kind of thing that happened in our life, right? How much more God loves to hear our praises to him? How much more the creator of music, if you didn't know that, God created everything, right? He created even music. How much more, if we love music so much, does God love to hear our praises, the praises of his church. How much more? Continually offer the sacrifice of praise. God loves to hear our praises. Now, 
I want to share just one more point here. It's a story in Acts chapter 16. If you don't know the story, you can turn there, but in Acts chapter 16, Paul, Silas, and his companions, they're out there spreading the gospel. And they come to this demon-possessed man, and people were actually using him for, for gain, for monetary gain. But the demon-possessed man was kind of getting in their face, you know. So Paul is like, all right, buddy, in the name, you know, <laughs> holy water, right? Cast out the demon. And what happens? The people that were using that demon-possessed man for monetary gain, they turned Paul and Silas and his companions in to the magistrate, and Paul, Silas, they all get beaten, stripped down naked, and thrown into jail. They're just thrown into jail. They got the shackles on. They're sitting there. And what does the story say? What happens? Do they sit there and they're like, why did they beat us up? We're just trying to help. Right? No. It even says that it's midnight. It's midnight. They're sitting there, and what do they do? They pray and they sing hymns. Whoa. I don't know about you, but if I, if personally now, thinking about it, if, if it was me, I would be laying on the ground hurt and be, I'll be that person to be like, why, God? I was just trying to get this demon possessed man out of our face and help him out. But look at them. They're praying to God at midnight while they're naked, beat up, shackled, and they're singing. They're singing, right? And what happens? The prison starts to shake. The shackles magically <laughs> come off. They're free. The prison guard comes in, right? And what happens? He's like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I'm going to die. I might as well just kill myself. But Paul says, no. Nope. Repent, be, become a believer, right? And I thought about this story for a while, and I thought about just the church today and how we have made worship into something that really is surface level. I really believe that. But just because it, just because it is, or it looks like it, doesn't mean that singing praise to God Singing to him with all you are is not important. Because I think about this story. I think about Paul and Silas. Like I said, if it was one of us, we'd be like, ah, right? But at midnight, beaten, broken, they decide to sing. And I looked at my life and I said, man, I, I come, I live in America. Uh, I come up here on Sunday morning. I come to my, my chair that I usually sit in every Sunday and, you know, we're about to, to worship, right? And, and, and I know now that worship is a response to who God is and to all he's done. And, and I sit there and this is what I do instead. Or even this. Man, that guy, he, dude, that drummer sucks today. Marcel in here? No, okay. <laughs> the drummer, oh, Samuel played the wrong chord. Man, we need a better worship team. Oh, we need a woman up there. We need a woman up there. I know, there's too many men up here, right? Oh, oh. And then after service, hey, what do you guys think of worship? Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, bad. Right? Is that worship? No. Oh, man, the worship team sucked. I want to go to a different church where they got good worship, right? You know, next time someone says that to you, call them out. I'm serious. Call them out. But say it this way, watch. 
Hey, worship, worship sucks, dude. We need a new worship leader. Oh, man, don't worry, bro. It's okay. We weren't worshiping you. And just walk away. They're like, yeah, that's right, right? We weren't worshiping you. When you come here on Sunday morning, don't let worship become about the music. Can we praise God? Yes. But it's about praising God. It's about bringing glory to his name, lifting him up. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? Think of that story. Midnight, beaten and broken. They could have been doing anything else, but they decide to sing to the Lord for what he has done. What what did he do in that situation? He put them in prison. Man, even praise the Lord in the bad times, right? We had a Q&A after on Wednesday, and one of the questions was, well, what do you say to a person that doesn't feel like worshiping? They just, they're not having it, you know, whatever. That's the time you should worship. That's the best time you should say, God, I'm in this mess, but I'm going to worship you regardless. I'm going to be ready in and out of season. I'm going to lay everything down to you no matter what it is because, God, you are worthy of my worship. Amen, church? Our response to God should be praise. Do you have to be up here and, you know, she's not here this morning, like Christina? You know, Pastor, uh, Pastor Randolph's wife. You know, Christina's like, Jesus, yeah. You know, see her hands up like, does it have to look like that? No. But there has to be a response. There has to be some sort of response because if there's no response, are you really worshiping God? If there's no response to who God is and what he's done, are you really worshiping God? And I really believe the answer is no. We need to worship. We need to respond to God in fear, in adoration, in obedience to his word, full obedience, and of course, in praise. That's what God wants. That's what God desires. And you know, earlier I said, you know, that worship really in its core is communion with God, right? So we can say that the first thing, the first thing we see in the Bible for worship is um, bowing down. Yeah, we can say that when we talk about the word. But really, the very first mention of worship in the Bible is when God and man, God and man are walking peacefully together in the cool of the day. Amen? When all is right with God and man. When all is right with God and man. And that's why the gospel is so important. Because without it, no one will worship the Lord. No one will come to know the goodness of God and be able to respond to him like we respond to him this morning. We need to worship. We need to preach the gospel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, that we get to worship you. Throughout the years of each one of our lives, we maybe wandered seeking this or that or even putting things in our life that took the place of you, God. That became the thing we worshiped. That became the person we worshiped. But Lord, now this morning as we, as we respond to you, God, I, I pray that we would just lay down anything that's still in the way, that's still in the way of us truly laying down, worshiping you. Father, we know that, Lord, you want us to worship in spirit and in truth. And God, I pray that we do that as well. 
that we would worship with you with all we have in our spirits, but Lord, also that we would keep your truth so that we would know what true worship is. God, thank you. God, thank you. We know you're going to do a good work in each one of us, Lord. I just pray that you would keep us and continue to guide us, God, in all your truth. So as we continue to sing more songs and really respond by praise, God, I pray that we really truly do that. It wouldn't be surface level. It wouldn't be um, a partial sacrifice, God, but it would be full obedience, full adoration, full reverence, to who you are and what you've done. We love you, God. We just want you to be, God, lifted up high, that you would get all the glory, and that truly, when we sing these songs, that transformation happens in our life, that we don't leave unchanged. We love you, and we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Before we start singing, I just want to read real quick a couple of excerpts from a book called Real Worship. Real Worship was written by Warren Wiersbe. And I like what he says. He says this, If true worship is the response of a whole person to God, then we dare not neglect the emotions. We do not neglect the emotions. No definition is final, so accept this one for the time being. Worship is the believer's response of all that they are, okay? Mind, emotions, will, and body to what God is and and says he does. This response has its mystical side and subjective experience and its practical side and objective obedience to God's revealed will. Worship is a loving response that's balanced by the fear of the Lord, and it is is a deepened response as the believer comes to know God better. And what shall be the result of all this? What should be the result? The result should be a transformed life. When you come to God before him, with all you are, you surrender everything, and you worship him truly, God is going to change you. Amen? God is going to transform you. And I pray that we, that's our heart when we worship God. Respond to him this morning. Let's worship. <laughs>